Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of We Are Regal Radio, a.k.a. War Media. In this edition, we have NBC Sports Chicago podcast producer, Tony Gill, talking about his roles in the production of NBC's latest sports podcast, I'm Back, and his thoughts regarding the Bulls' latest moves during the pandemic. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the Indoscope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And make sure to check out the War Media website at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and enjoy the show. Josh, man, um, I, I, as, as of right now, I, I'm still on or attempting to be on that Bulls beat. Uh, I'm not Casey, Casey Johnson or anybody like that, but whatever I can contribute to uh, to NBC Sports Chicago from that angle, I, I'm, I'm doing it and uh, attempting to do it. But, man, it's glad to be on, dude. Thanks for having me. Man, no problem. Anytime. Well, that's, glad to have you on the podcast. So, you know I got to do this. Before we get into the get into the discussion, we got we're gonna talk about the Bulls, uh, your the podcast that you recently produced and narrated on, which is very well done, my friend, <laughs> with Thank Michael you. Jordan on back. But and then we'll talk about some bull stuff. But I gotta start this thing off first. Blue check tone. How does it feel to be a celebrity? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we knew each other from when you were, when you, when you was at, since six seventy to score. You was doing your thing with six seventy to score. The next thing you know. You blowing up, you covering the Bulls, and you just did this super big podcast, and everybody's calling you to be on the on the, on the show. I mean, you had, before you even got on the line with me, you was on the show. So it's, like, <laughs> so it's like, talk about what it's like to be this celebrity that everyone is accustomed to, but since, since you know, we know each other as regular Josh, regular uh, tone. And I even remember when you were blue check tone. When you got the blue text of being a celebrity on your social media, talk about what it's like being a celebrity, man, going on these different shows and actually interacting with the big dog. Man, I mean, um, I'm not. First of all, I'm not a. If, if I'm uh, any celebrity, I'm like on the lowest, the <laughs> lowest level of of like radio fame, and, and radio people get that get that joke of of being radio famous. Um, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, trust me, like it, it didn't do anything for me in terms of uh, my paycheck, man. When I was at when I was grinding those years out, dude. Trust me. Uh, man, it was rough. 
But uh, but oh man, I mean, um, like like uh, we mentioned before, like before we started kind of recording, is just you know you you work at something and you put your all in something uh, for so long and uh, you you hone the craft of something and and make it as great as you possibly can. Uh, people tend to notice, and and again, it's I am extremely humbled by any you know call that I get for I don't deny any interview like I don't deny zero interview from a person that's just starting a podcast to uh, people that are are more senior uh, in their podcasting or, or radio show or anything like that I, I, because I, I was there and you know you saw it we were, we were down we were at uh, you know the, the, the school uh, on the Dean Davis show you know grinding those uh, those hours out together um, like people and, and then once you once you able to 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 get to a any kind of position of um, I don't want to use renown because I mean I'm just a podcast producer but of any type of uh, upgraded position than where you are before you always want to make sure that you're looking out for people and you, you're making sure that you're giving them notes and uh, any upcoming things and just information that you have along the way uh, because it, it's again it's you come up to bring everybody else uh with you and that's that's what i uh, try to do that's what i uh, attempt to do as much as much as i can um lawrence has coined it lift while you climb so uh i, I made that a part of part of what i do is, is trying to lift as i climb and um just making making sure that I, I remain humble and just just grateful for every every position that i, I that i'm put in no, that's real. That's real fact, Tone, and I appreciate you telling us, you know, being open and honest with that, uh, with that case, because that it's real. And obviously, you played a role in my life as a young journalist growing up and getting gr- growing in this game, and for, for us to know each other from the ground up to see you doing these things, these big things like this, man, it, it's a big, it's a big deal. And I'm super proud of you, and I continue to, you know, support you and everything that you. Uh, and if you need anything, you know how to hit a brother up. And you know, I'm just happy and proud of you, man. Just keep going. That yeah, being man, said, definitely. yeah, definitely. That being said, now let's transition to one of the main reasons why you're getting all these calls: <laughs> <laughs> the, the Michael Jordan I'm Back podcast. Talk about how this podcast came about. Uh, well, uh, when I got hired, uh, when I was interviewing for my current position at NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, they had already relayed to me that they're working on a uh, project, this project, the I'm Back project, and they had already been started on it, you know, six months prior. So all of this has been like a year in in the making just for that one episode, uh, just gathering all those people. And it started before I even got there. Uh, Ryan McGussey, who is also the executive producer uh, of the episode, along with uh, Matt Buckman and Sarah Locke, uh, other producers uh, on the podcast, and Michael Allardyce, and then like all of those people who were at NBC Sports Chicago were already working on this project when I got there. So um, by very first day, and, and this is when I knew that, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Uh, my very first day, I don't remember exactly what day, but I know it was late, late December, um, going into January, into the new year. Uh, Tim Hardaway, who if you listen to the, the episode, I, I say he's, uh, he's he's the door to everything that we uncovered about Michael Jordan and those Warriors packages because that first day 
it was just a, a throwaway interview. They were like, hey, he played in the 90s. He should have an opinion about Michael Jordan. And they were like, okay, yeah, let's interview him. And when he dropped that gem that, uh, that you know, he, he said, um, I got so many things going on in my head, uh, <laughs> that he may get in trouble for it, but Michael Jordan practiced with the Warriors. And we were just like, wait, what? Like, has anybody? I instantly Googled that. Michael Jordan Warriors, as he was explaining what happened in those practices. Uh, and I'm like, nobody has this. Nobody talked about the, the world's most famous human being locking himself in right, uh, right before he returned uh, to the Birdo Center to practice that he was with the Warriors for two days. Like, nobody has, has dove into that. And I was just like, wow, okay. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be a part of this project. It was meant for me to take this job. Uh, and I think it all came together uh, at, at the end of it, in, in, in the final piece, where um, everything just kind of blended so well. Everybody worked together really well on this. Um, there was you no know, infighting. Like, everything was just – it was a beautiful way to kind of be a part of a larger project. Uh, and this is, this is my personal biggest project uh, that I've ever worked on so far in, in my career. So uh, to see the, the, the amount of people and uh, my friends like you and uh, Ken and DeMond's and the Dean Davis show and just all, all the people, all the people at 6-7 to score just giving me a, all this uh, positive feedback, even though I was looking for the critiques. You know, <laughs> that's just kind of how my brain works is like, okay, what do I need to fix? so I can make it better uh, later on. But just having all this positive feedback about people enjoying the episode uh, really kind of validated all of that. Yeah, man, that was, it was, I listened to the podcast. It was very well done, but you surprised the brother when you was narrating that whole thing. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> so now tone is not just behind the scenes production. He's actually in this mug. <laughs> doing the whole narration. Like, were you supposed so were you supposed to be the, the narrator for – did they actually ask you to be the narrator for that? Or was, was someone else supposed to be that, and then they just called you in? Like, how did that go about? Uh, so um, that was my initial issue with, you know, setting this up. Uh, and it, obviously they brought me in because I, you know, I had prior experience with a project like this with me doing uh, Behind the Headlines with Julie DeCarroll on uh, James Jordan's – Michael Jordan's father's murder. We did a, you know, a, an extended podcast documentary series on that. So that was one of the bigger reasons why they, they hired me because I had that prior experience. Um, I was, my first thought was, okay, who's going to be narrating the story? Uh, we just see that what they were doing, they are television people um, and they are excellent at making great television Ryan McGuffey and that crew, they have done an excellent job with many other long-form pieces for television. Um, and I was brought in to make sure that the podcasting part of it uh, was up to par as well. So they were they, they were focusing at first on the, the television aspect, and then the podcast was after it. Um, so my thing was, okay, who's going to narrate? You just can't have um, you know names pop up. Uh, on a podcast, it's not a visual medium. So we were discussing, we were just throwing out names and stuff like that. And then it came around to kind of deadline time where we needed to submit our first draft to uh, NBC uh, National and Corpus. They can review it, uh, obviously, to kind of like a back-and-forth check, which I understand. 
Um, I always want to make sure that everybody is uh, represented and has their thoughts on it before we release it to the public. Uh, and I think that's a great way to go about creating things is when, you know, a select group of people can bounce things off of. So um, it had to get done. <laughs> you know, we were running out of options. We didn't have a, a studio because of the pandemic. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, somebody's got to read this stuff. And uh, <laughs> so I, I ended up reading it for the first draft not thinking that this was going to be the final thing. I I, I didn't think this pandemic was, was going on so long. I thought I would have had more time to get somebody uh, more professional than I am uh, to actually voice this so I can just strictly just stick to producing it. Uh, but, you know, just everything just kind of didn't work out the way I planned on that. And on top of when they heard the first draft, uh, they were like, yeah, we can't picture anybody else voicing this thing but you once I submitted the, the first draft. So uh, I, I didn't fight it. I was like, all right, well, it, it's got to get done, and I can control that. So um, I just had to hunker down, um, had to uh, go into my closet, literally recorded voice track, that whole thing from my closet, uh, <laughs> from, a, uh, from a recorder, um, and I did some some slight editing uh, on my end, but I just closed that closet door, put some foam up, and uh, just kind of went to work. So uh, that's that's how that came about. And trust me, I was looking for people to voice this thing, and they were like, nah, you got it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to run it. All right, well, next time something like that happens, you actually need somebody. I mean, you could use a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could use a brother if you really have to have somebody. I mean, you did a good job, though. Like, rip off, you really did a good job Thanks. narrating it. But just just a FYI in the back of your mind, if you if you need somebody else, you you got somebody in the background. Just you know, <laughs> my hand is slightly raised in the back. <laughs> I got you. But 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 you did, but, but you know, continuing the conversation, man. You did you really did an excellent job with that, and you guys did a really good job with the with the the storyline of putting the whole thing together and creating an actual storyline. Like and a plot between this entire podcast. So, with and I love the interviews. The interviews itself. Did you actually conduct those interviews, or did you have some? Or was it was that something that someone else did, and you just tied your narration on, uh, towards that interview? Yeah. So, um, like I said before, they had already a lot of these interviews uh, in the can, um, and Ryan uh, McGuffey, again, a, a excellent creative mind. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that I get to see how he works and learn from him. Um, he's just a, a, a great creative thinker uh, that, you know, I've learned even just in my last, you know, I haven't even been there a year. Uh, yeah, maybe I've been there maybe five, six months, been here maybe five or six months. I've learned so much uh, about, you know, just script writing and piecing things together just for, for both podcasting and television. Uh, and I think that's the, you know, the best part of this job for me is I'm not only restricted to podcast creation. Like, even though I am over all the podcasts, um, I also can input and influence uh, television on the television side as well. Um, and, that, and that's the best part. So um, the, the, the interviews were done by Ryan McGuffey uh, and Casey Johnson. Uh, and Casey was a huge part of this uh, as well because we used a lot of his connection, a lot of his uh, knowledge of the situation. And it's crazy. He had no idea these warrior practices were going on. So he told us, like, we, you guys may, ha may have something here. 
uh, you, you guys should probably investigate this because I had no idea this was a thing, and that's kind of also how we knew that this was going to be a pretty big, pretty big get. Uh, so yeah, Ryan and Casey, I did majority of the interviews. I think I may have, I did half of the Ahmad Rashad interview because Ryan's uh, connection was going in and out on his Zoom. Uh, and that was another thing too. Like once this pandemic hit, I mean, we were still gathering interviews. Uh, so like it became increasingly difficult uh, to set these up. Uh, so we had to do you know some of them on Zoom. I know specifically we did the uh, the Ahmad Rashad interview uh, over Zoom. Uh, conference calling. So I did I did a half of that one, um, but majority of it I just you know pieced it pieced it together and then just uh, narrated uh, the script. So like you mentioned, you're not more, you're not like a legit journalist. You're more the behind the scenes producer type mm-hmm. of guy. So you stepping out into some some form of a journalistic type of role. What is what what was from that experience? What did you learn from that experience to help benefit you moving forward in the in the future productions you may do or future involvement in the TV scripts or in the or in, in the TV realm that you know the company has as offered for you? So what what did you learn from this experience from that journalistic perspective? Um, I think the biggest thing that you know I learned was 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 fact checking, uh, fact checking and covering all of your bases. Uh, and it it showed it, it and that was validated with this project. Um, we could have just went along with what uh, Tim uh, Hardaway was saying to us, and then just kind of ran with that. Uh, but no, we we had to check with other people that was there at the time. We had to check with the equipment manager. We had to check with um, Chris Mullen and and Rod Higgins and just reaching out and making sure we cover all the bases to paint this picture uh, was huge. And knowing how important that is just for journalism in general. Uh, for example, we, for the Under Center podcast, we just released uh, that Kevin White uh, extended interview. Um, we didn't run everything in that interview we, because uh, we couldn't really corroborate what he was saying. So we had to take, uh, some of that stuff out, even though it would have been juicy, you know, if if it, if I was left to my own devices, I would just would have let it go raw. <laughs> um, but working with these uh, professional journalists, their ability to fact check, reach out to different sources, um, knowing how to get to different, you know, people, and un- understanding where where can they be reached at. Um, all of that was extremely vital for this project and extremely important. And I'm going to, I'm going to definitely take that uh, with me going forward. Also uh, a big piece to this that, that I've learned was the, the art of script writing. Um, I'm not a, again, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a writer. I don't, I don't have that skill. I'm a, I'm a sound guy. I'm a radio guy. Uh, so I'm picking up these you know skills every day. Uh, just learning and watching on how to tell a story, um, what's necessary in a story, what's not, um, what would enhance the story, what wouldn't. Uh, like all of those critical details uh, to make sure the story remains consistent, concise, uh, and above all, entertaining uh, for the person that is listening and being able to listen and read things in different ways. Uh, am I just reading as the person that just wrote this? Or am I actually picturing listening to this 
as a listener and does it make sense from that standpoint. So those skills specifically are, are the things that I learned um, that I'm definitely taking with me going forward. Wow, that's really good stuff. So, And I like how you're so passionate about the things that you are learning, especially since you have had a lot of experience within those roles. That's really that really speaks volume to your to your willingness to have versatility within mm-hmm. the role that you have, and that's big. So, do I, so can we can we potentially say you could potentially switch over to the actual journalist side instead of the production side, or you go to stay in the production? No, I mean I think what I've always tried to do was leave myself open to learning a bunch of different things. Um, and I try to encourage everyone that, you know, is asking questions about um, how to make it in the business or whatever or anything like that is just you're not just the thing that you really want to do. You're, if you want to be successful, you're not just the thing that you want to do. I mean, when you started out, you were just a writer. But now you have experience on radio shows, on television shows, doing a podcast you're not just a writer anymore in today's climate. You're a podcaster. You're a, you're a content creator. That's that's the phrase now that everybody's going with, and they should go with that because you, you shouldn't be just this one thing. So I've always leave myself open uh, to a bunch of different things. But I know where my where, where my passion is and where my, my skill set uh, relies and, um, and my love. I, I love producing. Uh, I love producing a radio show every day. Um, that I still love uh, radio. Like, that's that's my first passion. It's the reason why I wanted to get into this uh, in the first place. So um, just because, I, you know, I, I pick up a skill or learn a different skill or may I maybe fill, fill, fill in for somebody, you know, on the journalistic side or, or write something or here and there. Um, but I know where my base is, and, but I also leave myself open to learn new things uh, and create different things than, you know, either that I'm comfortable with or what I'm used to. Everybody tuning in right now, you're listening to executive producer of the Michael Jordan I'm Back podcast with NBC Sports Chicago uh, producer Tony Gill. Tony, let's transition to today's Bulls. We've been drowned out with the last dance. We've been drowned out with this podcast. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about today's Bulls because today's Bulls have finally answered our call for the past decade and more. (laughs) We've changed. the Bulls hired Arturis Karnisavis, a.k.a. AK. I believe that's how you say his name. But I'm going to call him AK for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, I've been sitting with AK, um, and if I have to say his name, I just say it kind of real fast so nobody can, like, take at it. I just be like, kind of show this. <laughs> and then hopefully nobody, nobody looks at me weird. So that's, that's kind of how I go about it. Yeah, so with AK, he hired Mark Eversley. Now you have your new VP of basketball operations and GM Pandem. And Mark Eversley has been hired as the first black general manager within the franchise's history. When this news broke out that we finally have a new direction that the team is going in, at least as it seems like as of right now, what was your reaction to those hirings? Um, probably, you know, along the same you know, lines as, as Bulls fans were thinking, you know, about time. Um, <laughs> You know, like it, it's a shame that it, 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 it took this much, you know, this far in terms of embarrassment, in terms of losing, in terms of uh, behind the league, it took them this far to finally acknowledge that a, a big change needs to happen. But, you know, it happened. 
and they've already started on the way to uh, becoming a relevant organization in the NBA. Uh, so it was it was it wasn't like overjoyed, you know, anything like that. It was more of it's about time, and and now we can accurately um, view this organization for you know what it is going forward. Um, and a- again, it was it was a it was a relaxing kind of all right. The Bulls are now on their way to some type of relevancy. Uh, and it felt like for the fan in me that the fan's voice was finally heard. You know, like after all the chants, the fire guard packs, all the, you know, BS in, in terms of uh, lack of attendance, you know, of recent, you know, recent years and all the, the, the losing and all the stuff outside of basketball where guys are, you know, going back at it with, you know, Jim Boylan or whatever, like all of that stuff was kind of pent up pressure, and then now it was able to be released with the, with the hirings of uh, Arturis and uh, Mark Everson. Well, speaking of your good friend uh, Boylan, um, I, my guy, that's your guy. That's your guy. <laughs> <laughs> he announced. That's one thing I will say about Jim Boylan. He he does acknowledge. Uh, and respect for the press. And he especially does with you. I always say that. That's a good question, Tone. That's a good question, Tone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a good dude, man. He's, he's, yeah. He's yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, speaking of Boylan now, obviously there's some rumors that there's a division as far as what the Bulls would ideally like to do with Boylan. It's been, it's been reported that, you know, the new leadership wants Boylan out, but the old leadership, but the older heads that are still there with Michael J- Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, and John Paxson, they want to keep him. But they know that they – but we obviously know that they're giving all the leeway to the new tandem to do whatever they need to do to move the, uh, the Bulls in the direction they feel is best. Do you personally believe from what you've heard from other reporters, especially working with uh, local reporters that are really tight with the Bulls like Casey Johnson – do you really believe that Boylan is coming back? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, look, uh, Jim uh, is a uh, nice guy from my dealings, personal dealings with him. Um, professional, respect, uh, respectable. But um, I think the, the results kind of speak for themselves, uh, and from what I've what I've gleaned from the people that are more knowledgeable on the situation than I am, uh, is that they are that Arturis and Mark are, are are ready to you know move on uh, from Jim Boylan and don't want their tenure to start off with him as the head coach. Um, and obviously, they're the league is still up in the air, um, and I think it's it's. It's good on their end to, for them not to make that decision right now. And I know fans are kind of screaming for, oh, you did everything else. You got rid of God. Why can't you do this now? This is different because Jim was a part of the day-to-day operations. He was the head coach uh, for the last year or so for the Bulls, and there's still technically a season uh, to be played. So uh, I get why they haven't, you know, done anything yet on that front. Uh, but 
I think as, as soon as a resolution in terms of what the league is going to do uh, and the bull season is over, I, I do believe that they will move on from uh, from Jim Boyle. And I, I'm not going to say that. I should, probably shouldn't say that. Um, it's hard for me to envision Jim Boyle remaining the Bulls head coach. I think that's worded more professionally. Um, because I, I, we're, not, we're technically not supposed to fire anybody, you know, in the business, so I, I guess I'll word it that way. Uh, but, yeah, like I just, I, I just don't see a scenario where they have – if it does, I'd be really shocked. Uh, again, anything is, anything is possible, I guess. Uh, but I'd be shocked if uh, he continues to be uh, the Bulls head coach post this year. Okay, I'll tell you on that. that. Good cover up for not firing Jim Boylan. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we, I, I feel you. I think at this point, Boylan got to go. The, the, the results speak for itself. Um, and you can, and me personally, just from an analytic perspective, you can see which players have developed and which players have regressed. And we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of regression from Wendell Carter and players that were up and on the rise, even during Fred Horber's time when he was the mm-hmm. head coach. And now we see a regression, and we're wondering why they're regressing so terribly. Like, they, we understand you make a change midseason because you said Fred Horbrook wasn't moving in the upper direction in which they can. Which, to his fault, he didn't have a full team at the time because our team was, like always, pledged with injuries. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in Jim Boylan, and you think he's going to do the same thing, and it seems like the whole team has regressed. So, mm-hmm. like you said, I, I personally do believe that if the Bulls want to move forward, the best option would be to get rid of Jim Boylan. That being said, in your personal opinion, who do you believe would be a good fit for the Bulls moving forward as their head coach? Um, let me think about this. Uh, well, I think let me start off with kind of like an like an ar- archetype uh, versus specific names. I think they need uh, a coach that that understands the the player uh needs and wants first um and be and able to connect with the players to get the most out of them um i think under boylan that even though he he uh, tried to you know implement a a style of play at one point the bulls didn't really have one um, he tried to do that. He tried to give them a, a style of play, and, I, and then they picked one. They had one. You know what the rules were going to do when, when you played them, and, and that that's a positive. Uh, but once it started to break down and once it started to not work anymore, where teams started to figure them out, uh, there wasn't an adjustment. Um, and we didn't see that much in-game, and we didn't see that from game to game. And I think they need a coach that is a bit more flexible um, with not changing the entire system, but just change the just tweak it to mold it for the current players that you have on the roster, so you make sure you don't lose them um, as the season progresses. Um, there there are certain candidates out there uh, that are available. Nick Nurse's um, assistant coach, uh, former Bull Adrian Griffin. I think it will be a, a pretty good candidate. Uh, he, he's been on the rise, and from uh, from what I've read uh, from different coaching candidate articles, that he's certainly at, at the top of uh, certain teams' lists as a potential candidate. Uh, I've heard Tom Thibodeau 
<laughs> you know, uh, may 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 have a return, maybe. I'm going to say, you think he's really going to return? I mean, under the new leadership, uh, he may. Uh, under the new leadership, he may. And if, if they get him in the room and say, hey, we're, we like what you do, we want to, you know, discuss a, a possible return, you won't have to deal with uh, the prior people <laughs> that you were before. This is a new group, a new vision. Um, yeah, I can see that happening. Um, but I, I, I don't think t- uh, Tom will. I don't, I don't think he'll he'll be here. But he's certainly you know an option. Um, but yeah, there there are. I think with the new, um, with the new people in charge for the Bulls, that there certainly gives them a wider base of of people to look at in terms of candidates, uh, because you don't have to deal with the prior stuff. You know, those people are gone. Those people aren't making those decisions. Uh, and I think that for the first time in a very, very long time, they have an equal opportunity uh, coaching search base that they can that they can get to and that they can reach reach to now because the old regime is gone and there's a a, a new one. So, um, but if I had to choose one one specific candidate, it, it'd probably be uh, Adrian Griffin. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I like Adrian Griffin as a coach for sure. I think his why not make his first ideal uh, coaching, head coaching position with the franchise that he represented um, with the Bulls. And now that you have this new regime, Adrian Griffin is respected throughout the league and respected across uh, players as well. Um, and that's the thing with the Bulls struggle for so many years was you talk about that equal playing field. I think this new um, regime will actually help with the playing field with getting free agents to come to the city as well. We whiffed on so many free agencies, especially like superstar free agents, during Don Foreman and uh, John Paxson's era. D-Wade LeBron could have came here at one time. They whipped. Carmelo could have came here with. You have a home – you actually have a hometown kid in Anthony Davis that even though he did technically leave the door open, you he wouldn't even – I only think if John Paxson and Don Foreman were still in place, he wouldn't even look to come home to come to Chicago after this upcoming year. So – Talk about the importance of not just getting a coach potentially to help with the players, but also getting a coach that can relate with superstar talent as well. And does the and, and do you actually believe that could be a positive or a negative thing, considering the fact that you do have a young team that is one of the youngest in the league, and you have to find a coach that helps them with developing players. But if you have a chance to get a superstar, you got to make sure that coach can also handle the superstar that's playing with the young team. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and both of those concerns were addressed by uh, tours and uh, Mark when they did their uh, their media interviews, um, because those are all great concerns that all Bulls fans have: is one lack of player development of young players, and two the inability to bring in legitimate stars that can force your uh, your organization into those championship conversations. Uh, those are two big concerns, and both of them discussed it. And I think they put an importance on that on themselves. Uh, the reason why you hire a Mark Eversley is because of his connection to Nike, um, his uh, his track record of um, being a, a, a player-friendly type of GM, a person that really understands them. Uh, and develop these relationships because of you know his 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 Nike experience and his experience in Philly uh, with a, a a the younger players that 
uh, the Bulls didn't have. They didn't have that expertise. Uh, Arturis certainly has the connection globally um, that not a lot of people have. Um, that the again that the Bulls didn't have uh, before. So it, of course, when when they're looking for a coach, um, if they are looking for a coach again, don't want to fire anybody. Um, they, they're going to be looking for those details uh, about it. Hey, how do you get along with players? How do you view player development? Um, are you willing to change change your system depending on you know who we bring in here? If if we have a star, we're going to have to play what's best for the star. I'm sure all of those questions and all those conversations will be had if they're looking for uh, a new head coach, um, and all of those are equally as important. You got to be right with your X and O's. You got to be ready. Have a plan on how to do player development, and you also got to be able to connect and understand and read the uh, read the room. And I think that's been an issue uh, for the current Bulls is not understanding how the players feel and having them comfortable enough to tell you how they feel. If 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 they're not, if something is obviously wrong with the player, if he's not performing to the level that you think he should be playing at, then you gotta adjust something. It always can't just be the player. It has to adjust the player. This is a player's league. The coaches have to adjust as well. So if everybody and their mom can see that there has been a noticeable drop-off of one of your key players, and uh, I'm going to name him named Laurie Marketing, uh, who a lot of people see the potential to be a great NBA player, an all-star caliber player, um, and if there's in his, in his uh, premier season where he seems healthy, he has a noticeable drop off. Like there's got to be an issue. There's got to be an issue, and it wasn't just uh, addressed. Um, and I'm sure AK and Mark are curious into why that didn't happen. So yeah, whoever they uh, interview as a head coach will need all of those qualities. So before we get on out of here, who would be an ideal aside from? regime, head coach, all that, just from the current roster we potentially could have and the fact that we have maybe not a superstar in Zach Levine, but for sure a top-tier sidekick to a superstar in Zach Levine. Who would be the one player that's a superstar you would love to see the Bulls get in free agency or even via trade to come play for the Bulls during AK and Mark's um, era? Um, I think that's tough to kind of say right now because I think just making the move doesn't give the Bulls the, the right to anybody or the respect of anybody. they got to actually prove it, that things have changed, that they're headed into a better direction, and it's going to be tough to do that with no games currently. Um, so I can't really – answer that that question specifically i mean we all have you know oh of course i, w- I want to see Giannis as a you know as a bull it'd be cool to cover that but um it's they still have to prove themselves to the rest of the league well one to the players that they're in, that they currently have on the roster um zach obviously he's in a pretty sweet deal he's got two years left i think on his deal so but you gotta you gotta prove to him you know is that gonna stay first of all before you start looking at you know other pieces uh, if if things don't change, is Larry Marketing going to ask for a trade? You know, <laughs> um, that's their, their, their that's probably going to be their main concern right there uh, is getting those players to trust and believe in the direction that the Bulls are being taken to. 
Uh, and once you have them believing and playing well and playing well together, you'll get the notice of the rest of the league. you get the notice of uh, the rest of the players. Like, wow, you guys are, you know, players talk. And now if the, the, the verbiage has changed amongst the people that you have in the organization, like, man, AK and Mark, they changed a lot, man. Like, it's, like players always talk. And if, if word starts going out that things are progressing, that things are getting better, the bulls are on the rise, uh, articles and, and newspapers and television segments are, man, what's going on in Chicago? The bulls are up and coming. And, like, once you get that buzz, then you have the confidence of going into the room with Giannis, with whoever said free agent is, and say, look, we just need you as the final piece. Everything here is laid out. We have a solid culture. We have a winning culture. The Bulls are relevant around the world again. I mean, the hype is real. Um, then guys are going to want to, I want to go to Chicago. And I think that should be the route that should be taken. I mean, you sure you want to be an assistant GM? Because you are here, <laughs> you are here taking all the facts, and I just wonder. I mean, you they could create a role for you too. <laughs> hey, hey, man! If 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 they send if they send it out, if they ask me, hey, anything's possible, man. Like I, I love producing and I love creating content, but that be uh that that be a gig. I, I don't know if I can turn it down. <laughs> well, if you get that gig, you already know who to give all the all the good secret information to. That being said, <laughs> that being said, what you got coming up next is for producing? Man, no, just uh, make sure that you are tuned in to all of our NBC Sports Chicago podcasts, uh, Under Center, White Sox Talk, Cubs Talk, uh, Blackhawks Talk, and, of course, Bulls Talk. Um, all, all of them are heading in the right direction. Uh, we have a lot of great content on, on those podcasts, even with no sports. We have a lot of great personalities that people are used to hearing and want to hear from. So, um, also, just engage with me on Twitter, at DTonyGill, uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram, on both of those. I'm at DTonyGill. Um, nothing really special in the can. I'm actually going on uh, vacation uh, next week just so I can, you know, get a creative break, man, because uh, all the, the stuff with Sports Uncovered and the last dance and stuff, man, like I, I'm going to take a, a mini vacation, and it's ironic. I haven't taken a vacation since I kind of started uh, this journey, and when I finally need to take one, it's like during all this, you know, and I can't go anywhere. So, um, But, yeah, that's, that's, that's on my immediate schedule. But uh, we got some stuff later, later down the road. Obviously, season two, Sports Uncovered. We got to, you know, flesh that out to see what topic we're going to be doing and stuff like that. But, uh, but, yeah, as of right now, man, I, I just hope everybody's remaining safe and um, doing all of this. And I hope you guys are – I hope everyone is having, you know, these very important conversations uh, in their homes about what's going on. Most definitely, man. As a true professional, you know, you, we know you're always going to come through and do everything right. Tony, I appreciate you, man. Uh, continue, like I said, continue to be safe. Uh, continue to keep doing the good work that you're doing. Keep us posted. Obviously, you're going to – you know, you know, you're always more than welcome to come back on In the Skull Podcast at any time and continue to be safe during this pandemic. Enjoy your vacation, but you desperately need workaholics. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy your vacation, man, and we'll talk soon. All right, Josh. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. Anytime. Anytime you need Zach, bro, I'll definitely come on. No doubt, man. You have a good one. All right, you too.